You're listening to Thrive Beyond Size, episode 131. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Size, the podcast that's all about finding health, joy, and liberation beyond weight. If you're ready to break free from diet culture and embrace a lifestyle that celebrates your body regardless of your size, you're in the right place. Here's your host, health and wellness coach, Dr. Michelle Tuffman. Well, hello there, friends. How are you all doing? I am so excited to be here with you. I know that it is the end of December as you're first listening to this episode, but I'm actually recording this for you um, here at the very end of November. And Rob and I just came back from an amazing 10 days in Costa Rica to celebrate his 50th birthday. It was so good. And on that holiday, I really had a big, a few actually big ahas with my body and my relationship to it and my relationship to food as well. And we explore that a little bit in today's episode because I interview a friend of mine, Leah Horton. Leah is another certified intuitive eating counselor. She's also a master health and life coach specializing in helping women get off the diet roller coaster for good. Using the principles of an intuitive eating, she empowers women to find their food freedom, love their bodies, and redefine what health means to them. And Leah and I actually met um, quite some time ago through a mutual friend and have had so many really rich conversations conversations on what intuitive eating means to us, what the anti-diet approach means to us. And I wanted to have her on the podcast today because she just speaks so eloquently about all of this. And one of the challenges I think so many of us encounter when we're first starting to explore intuitive eating is how you actually talk about it, right? How do you talk about it to friends and family who are still very much stuck in diet culture? And so Leah and I have a nice conversation on how to actually talk about this. And we both use examples from our own journey through this, including what I experienced on this amazing trip in Costa Rica. So without any further delay, here is the interview with beautiful Leah Horton. Leah, welcome to the Thrive Beyond Size podcast. Super happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. (laughs) Now, you and I have a lot in common, and we've spoken a fair bit already behind the scenes, but you and I are both practitioners of intuitive eating and take an an anti-diet approach to working with our clients. And we're going to talk about how to talk about that today. And before we really dig into the meat of all of it, Leah, can you just um, introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Leah Horton, and I am an anti-diet health coach and certified intuitive eating counselor. And um, I've been coaching for a few years now. And I think, you know, like most of us that end up doing this work, it comes out of our own personal journey, right? I'm somebody that struggled with my weight and uh, dieting for well over a decade and had a lot of like just disordered eating habits. And I literally stumbled into the concept of intuitive eating. I actually think I found it by way of health at every size. I had read the book by Linda Bacon and I am a giant nerd. I like I'm my uh, undergrad was in biology. I'm very science-based. I love like evidence and, you know, like reading scientific studies for fun. I'm one of those weird people. And so when I found health at every size that like supported everything that I was like feeling and had been struggling with and was like not understanding like why diets kept not working for me. It was just this light bulb moment of like, oh, it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. I've just been told 
a lot of incorrect things about health and wellness and weight management. And it changed my life completely. Like I, I am like a totally different human being now than I was. And, um, I, yeah, I've made it my mission to help other people kind of find their peace with their body and their relationship with food and still pursue health in a way that is actually health promoting and sustainable and adds to their life instead of, you know, having to struggle as much as I did for so long. Oh, yeah. And Leah, in there, you mentioned the term Mm anti-diet. And I just want to talk about that before we go any further, because I think this is a term that is thrown around a lot out there in popular media these days. And I think that when you and I use the term anti-diet, we're meaning something very specific. And that's not always the way um, people out there in the world are are using this term. For example, I think I've even mentioned this to you um, before, you know, Leah, when we've had conversations of me scrolling through um, Facebook and, you know, so many ads um, pop up and I see a lot of ads that use anti-diet in there. And then you click on it and you, you know, go through their funnel and you learn that they're just teaching another diet, right? (laughs) It's still all about weight loss. And so just to make sure we're all on the same page in terms of the vocabulary, vocabulary, what do we mean when we use the phrase anti-diet? Yeah. So when I am talking about anti-diet, I'm talking about anti-diet culture and all things that are focused on weight management and weight being the thing that defines health for us. So it is taking that health at every size approach, um, you know, using intuitive eating. This is not focused on changing your body at all. It really is on your relationship with food and exercise and your overall well-being instead of the more aesthetic goals that diet culture tends to push under the guise of health, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so problematic. And I think this is why we have a hard time having conversations about this because I feel the terms anti-diet, lifestyle, um, health programs, you know, all, all of these things are using, you know, this language to still sell us weight loss or changing our bodies in some ways to have a healthier lifestyle or to have a healthier body. And that's, that's not what we're trying to promote here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the diet industry is people are starting to wake up to the fact that, you know, mainstream diets don't work. Um, and so the diet industry is starting to get more creative <laughs> with how they're marketing their programs because people are knowing like, you know, following whether it's keto or Atkins or whatever, you know, the, the diet of the week is, there's, we're starting to see some progress, I think, with people starting to reject those more extreme, some people, uh, the more extreme diets. But 
you're right that diet culture is still co-opting some of our language around like intuitive eating and being an anti-diet approach. Um, and what's interesting, like when I look at my own history with dieting is I, I never really did a lot of the crazy extreme diets. My diet of choice was calorie counting. And I loved the idea of calorie counting because it made me feel like I could still eat whatever I wanted as long as it was within a certain parameter. And in my mind, I thought a diet was like restricting what you could eat, right? Like, you know, going low carb or whatever. And it was really calorie counting was just about restricting the volume. And what I didn't realize was when we're talking about diets, dieting means any level of restriction, whether that's what you're eating when you're eating, right? Like intermittent fasting is, you know, limiting when you're allowed to eat, or, you know, there are some diets out there that are like, you can only eat, you know, three meals a day and no snacks or six small meals. You know, if it's dictating the, what you're eating, the, when you're eating or the, how much you're eating, that's a diet period. Um, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, when we're talking about diets, they think it has, if it's this more strict regimented thing, that's what a diet is, but really just a diet is any sort of restriction on food. That's, I'd say with an asterisk of like, not out of medical necessity. <laughs> yep, Of course, of course. And Leah, did you have a moment where you realized that the counting wasn't working for you because there, there was a definite moment for me. So for me, it was Weight Watchers and counting points was my diet of choice. And it's at least, at least like seven distinct times I can remember signing up for Weight Watchers. It was probably realistically even more than that, but it was, oh, I want to say maybe five or six years ago. And I was on my last round of Weight Watchers. And by that time, everything was on an app and there was a beautiful community and people were always sharing, you know, recipes and the points values for different things. And I was obsessed with points. And more specifically, I was obsessed with finding all of the lowest point delicious snacks that I could. And at the time, one of the things going around the community on the Weight Watchers app was mixing low fat Cool Whip with um, sugar-free jello crystals. And it was tasty. And I remember like going crazy about this because it's zero points and I could eat as much of it as I wanted. And I remember at some point I was reading the labels of both of these things. And it's like, there's no food in any of this. Like there's actually no food. It is a hundred percent chemicals. And, and I just had this moment of what am I doing? Why is, why am I so crazy about counting these points? And why is it, why am I thinking it's better for me to eat this, you know, low fat cool whip with sugar-free jello crystals, like all freaking day long and not actually getting any nutrients in my body? And how is this actually helping my real goal of just feeling better? It's not. And it was like a slap in the face for me to realize that what I was doing was not actually bringing me closer to my goal at the time, which was just to feel better. And that was the moment that kind of changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. Do you have a moment like that? Or was it more you know, of a... I, I don't think it's a specific moment. I think it's just this, you know 
this series of frustrations that built on itself over and over and over. And one of the the appeal for calorie counting for me was basically boiling my body down to a math equation. If I eat this much and I do this much exercise and this is my BMR, I'm creating this much of a deficit. And so this is what the scale is going to do. Right. And you know what? And I, and I was like you, I was obsessed. Like I was always on. So I started on like the daily plate and then it turned to like live strong. And then I went to my fitness pal. And I was also like, they had all the forums. I was super active in the forum. Some of my best friends I like met on that app. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I would micromanage I'm type a, I had perfectionist tendencies. And so like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it Right. And so I would, you know, follow, I would, I was that person that was literally weighing and measuring every single thing that I ate, mapping out like, okay, if I want to go out, you know, and have a glass of wine tonight, I need to like, you know, do this or I can't have a snack because I'm going to do this. You know, it was just so disordered. But the math never mathed, right? It never worked out. I would, you know, very often, like when I would kind of, I I had a lot of stops and starts with calorie counting because I would get frustrated and I would just give up. And then I'd, you know, maybe gain some weight or, you know, get, you know, frustrated with not seeing progress again and go back to it. And I would do everything that you were supposed to do. I was following the the math i was being diligent i even went to a nutritionist and she was looking at you know my fitness pal and what i was doing and she it wasn't mathing for her either like she's like well i don't really understand why you're not losing weight you know and she's like is it are you are you measuring something wrong maybe it's that piece of chocolate that you're having every night and that was probably actually my breaking point was when a nutritionist blamed my excess weight on my one piece of dark chocolate I had every night. I was like, there's no way a piece of dark chocolate is the thing that's making me fat. Right. And, um, I just, and I would play around with the equations like, well, maybe I'll try eating a little bit more. Maybe I'll try eating a little bit less. Maybe I'll try like changing the activity level on the calculator and, you know, like constantly playing around with things. And it just never, ever worked. And I would get so frustrated by these people in the forums and online when I'm doing all this research and they were just beating home this eat less, move more as the answer. And it just wasn't working for me. I was literally exercising myself into injuries. I was running half marathons and strength training and doing all of the things and I wasn't getting the results. And so that's when I, you know, when I stumbled into the health at every size book, I don't even know how it ended up in my hands. It was just like, okay, our body is not as simple as a math equation. It's so much more complex than that. And it was an instant sigh of relief for me that it wasn't me doing anything wrong. It was that we had it had been oversimplified and made to sound easy and that your weight was more in control than it actually, than it actually is. is. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find a lot of people are starting to really understand that it isn't math, like it isn't as simple as eat less, move more, except I find that there are still pockets of people. And in my experience, and of course, there are exceptions, um, but I keep coming across fitness professionals in particular that are so invested in believing in this equation that they will not hear, you know, anything else. And those voices are actually quite loud. And when you combine that with the fact that, you know, it is still, if you're in a bigger body and you are at least trying to lose weight, if you are trying to make the math equation work for you, there's value in that in terms of how other people see you in society, because at least you're trying to get back to the, you know, societal norm of what, what we're supposed to, what we're supposed to look like. And so if you are like you or I, and you are stepping outside of that whole paradigm to say, whoa, like I need to try something different. I'm not happy with the way I'm relating to food. I'm not happy with the way I'm relating to my body. I need to try something different. And then if you stumble across Lindo's book, or if you stumble across, you know, someone like you or or I who are, you know, talking about this other way, of course, it sounds really scary to jump, jump into all of that because it sounds counterculture in a lot of ways. It is counterculture. I mean, you know, diet culture and focusing on weight loss is the mainstream ideal. And, you know, this idea of uh, fat acceptance and and health not equaling weight is very counterculture. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. It was very uncomfortable for me. And even as somebody that is now like advocating for this, I still have a hard time because um, I was very much raised in a don't rock the boat, like just do as you're told a military upbringing of like, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. Everything is outlined for you and you don't go outside the box. And so being outside the the box and the norm is wildly uncomfortable. But one of the ways that I have made it easier for myself is I remind myself that there's a lot of things that used to be counterculture that are now moving more mainstream. You know, we think about things like LGBTQ rights, right? Like that used to be something that was counterculture for, you know, supporting LGBTQ, um, you know, even like race. And there's all of these other things that we used to think were crazy. And now we're like, well, it's crazy if you don't believe it, <laughs> that that everybody has the same rights. And I think that we're going to get there. It's just we're at the beginning of this kind of movement and all of this new science and all these new findings that are coming out. And it's just take, it takes people, it takes the world time to, to catch up with that and to wrap their head around new ideas. Um, but just because you're counterculture doesn't mean you're wrong. Right. hundred percent, but it does make it uncomfortable. And so I'm thinking back to a friend and I were in um, San Diego at a coaching event, not a food or body related, like just a general life coaching event. It was beautiful. And there were, you know, a group of us women here. And, you know, my my friend um, is someone I used to work with. And, you know, she coaches with me inside my business now. And we have been 
anti-diet and intuitive eating based for a long time now. And so conversations tend to be very rich and very supportive in our, in our community. Right. And so we were in this large group of women who understand coaching, right? That's what they're there for. They're, they're, they're there for coaching. And both Christina and I were shocked at how much diet and body talk was going on. Not necessarily that people were asking for coaching on that, but they were, but but the bigger thing was all of the little talks of like, well, I had a burger last night, so I ran an extra mile this morning, like things th- th- things like this. And it was profound for Christine and I to, to just, you know, be in this group of women who were talking so much about this. And it was it was uncomfortable for us. So I can't imagine how uncomfortable it would be for somebody who doesn't necessarily have a community of like-minded individuals to have discussions about this. And knowing that, you know, girlfriends and family members and, you know, other people are, are constantly talking the diet talk. So if you've chosen to step outside of diet culture and to embrace a more intuitive or attuned way of eating or relating to your body, how can you begin to have conversations with your friends and your family when they just don't get it? And when diet culture is still so pervasive in so many of our circles? Mm -hmm. It's definitely hard. And I, I think, you know, when it, when you're just starting, I want everybody to know that it's not their responsibility to educate other people and to explain what you're doing for you. Like you don't owe anybody anything. And so if you don't have, if you don't, if you feel like you don't have the confidence or the language or, or whatever to talk about what you're doing, you don't have to. Um, and there are still, there are some people that I just, I won't even get into it with it. Cause I, I know it's a losing, <laughs> a losing battle, but once you start getting confident and you do want to talk about it, um, I really think that, you know, relating to your personal experience is one of the best things that you can do. Um, you know, and, and people are going to respond to things different way, but if you're like, Hey, like me focusing on my weight and, 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 exercise for weight loss and, you know, paying attention, like being overly restrictive of what I was eating was not good for my mental health. And I'm choosing to, you know, learn a different way of being with my body and and focusing on my health. People are going to like empathize and understand like, oh, okay. You know, like I get that. Like, I think that having that personal, if you're willing to, and open to sharing that, you have had challenges with the traditional model of dieting and weight control. Um, that's one of the the easiest ways to start that conversation because it humanizes you. And it, I think what happens a lot of the times is we get so fixed on the, the weight control and the, the, the diet culture ideas that we lose sight of the fact that we're all humans right? And that we all have different lived experiences. And so if you can share your lived experience, um, it's a way of creating that connection and opening people's minds a little bit more to other ways of being with your health journey. Mm-hmm. And I I know it is not our role or anybody's role to 
change minds or to justify or or even necessarily to educate. But what I find helpful sometimes is to point out when I see diet culture creeping in. So for example, my husband and I were just in Costa Rica this past week for his 50th birthday celebration. And I had a few moments where I was just, I just became very aware that I hadn't thought about food or my body in days. And one of them was this beautiful, beautiful afternoon. We had a beach day and the waves were huge. I mean, people were surfing and Rob and I don't, don't surf, didn't feel like learning that day, but we do body surf. We do do boogie boarding. And I swear we spent five straight hours in those waves getting knocked around. And it was so much fun. And we came out to have a snack and they came and set up this beautiful table right there on the beach. And I had this beautiful bowl of ceviche. It's like, where can you have, you know, ceviche on the beach? Like it was, it was this beautiful, you know, situation for me. And I had just spent five hours, you know, moving in a fairly, you know, vigorous way. Like I was tired and I loved every second of it. There was just nothing about that whole day that wasn't beautiful. And there were a group of young women. I would guess that they were in their early twenties, like early to mid twenties, um, in beach chairs, just kind of beside us. And I'm enjoying my ceviche and I'm listening to their conversation. And they're talking about how they had chosen not to have breakfast or lunch so, so that they could have ice cream that afternoon. And they were having conversations. They were saying things like, I don't have the energy to go in the water. Um, you know, I want, I want the ice cream. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to sit here and watch everyone else play. Um, one of them wouldn't take her clothes off. Like she was wearing like, um, just like shorts and a t-shirt, but clearly had a bathing suit tied, you know, underneath, didn't want anyone to see her. And like this for hours, these women were talking about what they were giving up to have ice cream and how you know, afraid they were of their people seeing their bodies sitting in their chair, having what I imagine is a miserable time. And like, I just, I pointed it out to Rob. It's in that, you know, I actually said to him, I'd, I don't care what my body looks like right now. I will take my life and the day that we are having any day over that. Like, that's just not a happy existence. And, you know, sometimes it takes pointing, pointing that out because there was a time in my life when that's how I was too. And I never thought twice about it because that's just how it always, how it always was for me. And the thing is, is once you start to embrace a more um, intuitive way of, of eating or, or relating to your body, you start to notice um, all of these things. And I do sometimes think it's helpful to, to point it out. It's like, is that really fun? Like, is that really how you would want to be spending, you know, a vacation that you just spent probably a lot of money, you know, to have sitting there not doing anything because you haven't eaten all day and because you don't want anyone to see your body. Yeah. There's something about like, once you, like start diving into intuitive eating and, and anti the anti-diet approach. It's like these, your glad these glasses come off and you can see so much more of it around you. It's so obvious. It's like, and, and you notice how toxic it is. Right. And, and I can also like, I totally empathize of like, I have been there, you know, I still have these moments of like, 
pinch me, you know, of like, even like going out to a dinner with my husband and like, I didn't have to look at the menu ahead of time. I didn't have to like map out like what's going to be the best choice for me. And how can I like, I want to get this, but like, maybe I'll substitute, you know, plain steamed veggies or or like, you know, this constant negotiation it's, you know, I'll, I'll just be out at dinner with my husband and just be sitting there like, oh my goodness, this is so easy. And I'm having so much fun and I'm enjoying this meal so much and I don't feel bad about it. And I'm not thinking about how I'm going to have to go work it off later. Like, and I still, you know, I've been doing this for years now and I still have these moments of just awe that this is what it can be like. Be like, right. And I love, I love those moments of awe. And for me, Lately, it's been happening when I make what I previously would have called good choices, right? And so when I first started experimenting with intuitive eating, I did it twice, actually. So um, I actually did it before I became a weight loss coach for, you know, a few months and was miserable because I didn't actually do reading. I didn't do learning. I didn't understand a lot of a lot of what it meant and took it to mean that I could eat whatever I want all the time without and you know I actually ended up feeling worse because I didn't I didn't actually understand you know what what it was and so then I became a weight loss coach and went through this whole journey to learn why that why I why I was causing harm you know for people and I, and I came out this uh, the you know the other side really having a good understanding of what it means and so now this time um over the past you know year or so that I have been experimenting with this I've been very aware of how much I used to label my food decisions as good or bad and it was easy for me to let go of the bad labels, right? It That was easy. But for the longest time, if I went out for dinner with Rob and ordered a salad, because that's what I actually wanted, I would still say, oh, look at I've done good. Like intuitive eating is such a good thing because it's giving like I'm right. And so that part has been harder, harder for me. And what I noticed on this holiday is that there were lots of times when all I wanted was a salad because it was really hot and I didn't want anything, you know, heavy. And I wanted, you know, crunchy and crisp and fresh, you know, taste. And like, I think it was the third salad of the holiday when Rob said, you haven't mentioned anything about ordering these salads. And I had to stop and think it's like, it didn't even occur to me that like, like it's just done now. Like there is no labeling of, of good or bad. I wasn't proud of myself for ordering, um, you know, what I previously would have called good, good meals on this, on this holiday, um, which was such a big win for me because I've I've been working on that for you know for 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 quite some time now and so it really um was just amazing how I went through this whole holiday without really giving much thought to food other than I'm hungry what do I feel like <laughs> right now right <laughs> And I actually think it's very difficult to unsee that. Like once you take the diet culture glasses off, I think it's probably really difficult to put them back on again. Like I certainly wouldn't wouldn't want to go back to that place of counting points and making, you know, zero point concoction foods out of, you know, non-foods. 
anymore. I never want to do that. And I don't want to be the person who's going to starve all day so I can have ice cream in the evening either. There's just, you know, such, such a better way. And, and I, you know, we were talking about how it can be difficult to talk to friends and family when we're embarking on this journey. And I wonder if sometimes just leading by example is the way to be right? Because like, I wonder if there were, so there were these young girls, like they were probably between the ages of eight and 12, who are playing on the beach completely unencumbered by anything, clearly. And they were having contests with each other, like who could get the most sandy, like who, who could, you know, roll the fastest down the beach into the water. And they kept coming to my husband and I to be judges, um, because they said we were neutral because we, you know, we did. And so these girls would, just line up and say, who is the sandiest? And, you know, I, I I would pick one. And I couldn't help but wonder. It's like, I wonder if these girls are watching what's going on in the beach. I wonder if they're watching Rob and I play and laugh in the water and enjoy a meal. And if they're watching these other, you know, girls bundled up in hoodies on the beach. Um, and, you know, and and I, like, I wonder if people watch and take this in. And if that's also just a way we can talk about it without talking about it simply by by living by example and showing people how much freedom can be on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. And I think, you know, when you do have an opportunity to say something and you, you feel safe enough to do so, take it right. You know, I was, um, you know, we just had Thanksgiving here in the U S and somebody had posted, um, on their, their own page about like, can we not do weight loss posts this week? Like give us until, you know, uh, give us a couple of weeks to enjoy our holiday. And, which I like, I totally agree. But I even like, I, I left a comment of like, Hey, how about we just not do weight loss posts ever? <laughs> and, you know, and just like those little, little things can start shifting people's perspectives. And, you know, a couple days later, I went back and looked at the post again and my, my comment had the most likes of any comment. And it's like, okay, there are people out there that like that get it. And the more that you can plant those little seeds that it is harmful to talk about weight loss and to focus on weight loss and that, you know, weight doesn't necessarily weight loss doesn't necessarily mean health, the more that we're going to start seeing those shifts, you know, and like when I have somebody I know that is maybe talking about their weight loss journey or they've lost a lot of weight and they're, you know, they want to share it with me because they're a health, I'm a health coach. And so they think, you know, people's default is like, oh, weight loss is good. Um, I make a point of just be like, well, how do you feel? And, you know, taking the, the emphasis away from the body changes and and the weight changes and really just getting to know like what the person is experiencing and how they're feeling in their body, it's going to prompt them to think about it, right? Because so many times we don't think about it. Like when I was on my weight loss journey, I, it didn't matter how I felt. I felt good if the scale went down and if it went up, I felt bad. <laughs> And I was so out of touch and disconnected from my body that it didn't even matter. But the more that we can like encourage people to think about how they feel and to, you know, ask the questions and, and really inquire about 
um, their mental health and physical health and take the emphasis away from what the scale is doing, that's going to have an effect long-term. Yeah. And I think people, women in particular, because that, you know, that that's just who I'm surrounded with are, I I think they're starting to acknowledge how tired they are of, of constantly thinking about the food and the counting and what the scale is doing and how the math is working or how it isn't working. And, you know, I, 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 it's exhausting. Right. And I think about those girls on the beach and it breaks my heart partly because how much are they missing out on, but also I remember just how exhausting it was to, to be in that frame of mind. And I think more than anything else, women are just getting tired of spending energy on this. Right. And, you know, they, they, I think there's just this gentle tug in a lot of people just trying to say, you know what, there's, let's just shift the focus here. Let's shift the focus. And, you know, I bet you a lot of women, when you ask them that question, Leah, is like, how do you feel? They don't even know. Like they have to, they have to really, you know, stop and think and feel, feel into that question because they've been focused on judging how good their days have been or how they feel by, by which way the scale is moving. And it's just, it, it, you know, it takes a little bit of a leap to come back into your body and, and think about how you really feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, cause if you're, you know, maybe you do lose weight and if you happen to be one of those people that like has more energy and is feeling really strong and, you know, like loving, um, how you're feeling great. Like I'm, I'm going to be happy for you. Um, but if you're one of those people that is exhausted (laughs) and really struggling with it and, and, you know, having a hard time with managing the workouts and the feeling deprived, you know, I, I had somebody that acquaintance that was, um, on Ozempic and went out to lunch with, girlfriends and and couldn't even eat, you know, her meal. And she's like, I'm, I'm miserable. <laughs> right. Like, okay, then I'm not going to like, that's not clearly not good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how do you feel? Such a good question um, to ask, to ask people for sure. And I think so many more conversations like this are going to start happening as more and more people, become aware of health at every size and also start learning how to advocate for themselves, right? Because we are so much more than our weight. And that is true, you know, just as true for health as it is for, 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 for anything else. Right. I love to use myself as an example because I still live in a bigger body and my blood pressure is perfect. And my fasting glucose is perfect. And my cholesterol is, you know, fantastic. And metabolically I'm actually doing quite fine. And like, I am sorry, I literally just spent five hours at like 48 years of age surfing without a break. And like, how could I want anything more than, you know, than, than, than what I have right now? And, and, and I find lately that I'm a little bit grateful I'm in a bigger body so that I can be an example that, you know, we can still be healthy at this size. 
right? And yeah, there are some things that I want to work on, but the answer for me isn't weight loss. The answer is, you know what? I've been feeling a little stiff since the surfing. So I am doing some more mobility work and some more stretching. That's my answer, right? I don't, I don't, I don't need to lose weight. I, I, you know, I don't need to surf any longer than five hours. Like I feel like five hours is a good, you know, a good, good, a good amount of time. So it's, it's, it's just so liberating on, on this side of, of the anti-diet life for sure. Yeah. One of the things I, I like to encourage people to do is to really reflect on their personal values and what are the things that are most important to them and what they see in other people. And when I'm having this conversation with people and we're really digging deep into the things that really matter to them, it's not appearance. It's not aesthetics. It's not a number on the scale, right? It's how are you living your life? What kind of person are you being? Like, those are the things that matter. And if you can take that step back to really connect with those things, it makes it so much easier to set aside everything else. Oh, and so true. to just focus on, you know, what are the things that are going to support the life that I truly want to be building for myself. Yeah. Right. When, when I work with women, we start with actually building a vision statement, which is based on your values and your whys and your big rocks, like what, what you want to be doing in your life. And it always, it always amazes me how difficult this exercise actually is for women because it's been so long since we've ever, you know, actually thought about that. But when you sit down and write these things out, when you do values exercises and, and identify what your, what your true values are and what's important to you in your life, what are the things you want to be doing right now and wrap that all up. It's, it's like people, it's quite eye opening for people when, when you try and look how dieting, you know, fits into that versus how, you know, how we can, you know, really shift away from what does our body need to look like to, you know, who do we want to be? What do we want to be doing? What's really important to us right now? And how can we bring more of that into our lives? It just changes everything. Hey, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. it does. I actually um, had a goal setting um, meeting with a business coach yesterday and she gave us a prompt for like figuring out like what goal is the biggest juiciest goal for you. And I love it. It's like, if I blank, but I haven't blanked, do I give a fuck? (laughs) So like, if I can, you know, one of my, my goals last year, we went to New Zealand for a month and we did this crazy hike along this escarpment trail. Right. And so if I'm like, if I can hike 10 miles, but I haven't, lost weight or like, I'm not a size eight or whatever the goal is. Do I give a fuck? And the answer is no. No. Right. Right. Like if I can live a long active life, but I'm in a bigger body, do I care? No. And I think that's kind of a fun way to do just like a quality check, right. Or an audit of, of what you're really striving for. 
And what are the things that really do matter the most? And it's, it's not the number on the scale. It's not, not having the donut, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, right. And I I keep thinking back to those poor girls on the beach, right? And when, when they're like 10 years down the road, and they're thinking back on this vacation, it's like, you know, what, what do you want to remember? Do you want to remember surfing for five hours and eating ceviche under the sunset on the beach? Or do you want to, you know, remember hiding um, and starving yourself so that you can enjoy ice cream, right? Like what's what's really important? And then what's actually going to happen if you have breakfast and lunch and then you also have a scoop of ice cream? Like really, what is the worst that's going to like, what is a scoop of ice cream really going to do for you in the long run and who the hell's even going to notice you do you think anybody was paying the least amount of of attention to the you know fat girl frolicking in the waves for five hours no because they were having their own fun (laughs) frolicking in the waves it's like these little mindset shifts are so um so important at the end of the day Mm -hmm. yeah yeah if you know i if you're in your head as much as you are about yourself, everybody else is in their own heads about themselves too. (laughs) So so true. And you know what, that's, that's actually a good thing to keep in mind when the topic of dieting comes up in your circle of friends as well is, you know, they're probably having um, so many of the same thoughts as you, the same insecurities, the same doubts, the same frustrations, right? I mean, it's, it's there, it's there for all of us. And, um, God, Leah, I am so far from perfect. Like, of course, there are moments when I wish I were thinner. Like, of course, there are, right? And there are probably always going to be. The difference is, is that for me, there's so fewer and far, far between now. And I actually don't give a fuck about it anymore, right? It's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had COVID and was not feeling great. My appetite was just fairly non-existent. And I was laying in bed on like, I don't know, day six or something. And I had this thought was like, oh, well, maybe I lost weight this week, you know, of like, just from not eating. And then I was like, what? Like, where did that thought come from? Like, it's, it's so ingrained in us, you know, we're, we're this product of this environment that is, you know, like, yay, weight loss is good. But like, if I zoom out and I'm like, actually, that's not healthy weight loss, me not eating and being sick for a week is like, there's nothing good about that, but your brain still goes there. Right. And I do think it's important to normalize that even if you're on this journey of body acceptance and fat acceptance and being anti-diet, it's normal for those thoughts to still pop into your brain, but you're absolutely right that they become less frequent and they become less intense. Like I don't spiral around it anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, wow, there's that thought (laughs) and just like laugh it off. Exactly. That's exactly right. So we were on the plane home last night and I was wearing um, t-shirts and t-shirt and leggings. Right. And so the leggings were sitting funny on my waist and it was just uncomfortable sitting in the, in the plane. And the thought came, came in. It's like, like, 
I like my belly's too big. I need to lose weight. And that's exactly what I did is like, oh, you know what? There's that thought again. I'm like, maybe instead I'm just going to stand up and adjust, you know, the waistband of my pants. And then that's going to be the solution here. And that's exactly what I did. I excused myself, went to the bathroom, you know, adjusted my leggings. So they were sitting in the right place, came down, sat down and, and everything was fine. But a couple of years ago, I absolutely would have spiraled, you know, way down into like the shame and the self-hate and all of this stuff, you know, from that. And now it's just, oh, yep, there's that thought again, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the default to blame our body or our body size. And one of the concepts I, I like to teach people is that that first thought that pops into your mind is not a thought that you're responsible for. Um, It's that kind of default programming that's in our mind based on our upbringing and our culture and our lived experience. But you are responsible for the second thought and what you choose to think about that first thought. Um, So give yourself grace (laughs) if those, those thoughts are coming in and know that it's not it's not you. It's not your brain. That thought's been put there by somebody else, something else. <laughs> yes. Right. And and actually acknowledging that is so liberating, so liberating. And because you are not your thoughts, right? And it's so true. It's, it's Those thoughts are going to sneak up. They're always going to sneak up. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, or what kind of body you have, right? These thoughts are going to come up. They have um, they have been put in there from, you know, decades and decades of of hearing diet culture talk and hearing friends and family talk and scrolling on social media and watching movies and, you know, the, the whole shebang. But you're right. You know, what we choose to do with that thought um, is completely within our control. And so I like that I just identified that this was happening and just adjusted my freaking leggings so that they were more comfortable rather than sitting for 45 minutes beating myself up for being fat on an airplane, right? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and honestly, like everybody's uncomfortable on an airplane. Everybody's uncomfortable of on, on an airplane. So true, right? Yeah. All right. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you have a free Facebook group, group for people. Um, where can they find you out there? in Facebook and um, where else can they find you if they if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah, Facebook is the best place. Um, my Facebook group is if you just go to www.antidiethealthclub.com, it'll put you there. And I go live in there every week with a training and we just we just have fun and it really is about it is about health first and foremost. So there's, you know, I share like recipes and fun, like little facts because I'm, I'm a nerd, but we also have conversations around, you know, what it means to be anti-diet, intuitive eating, um, body acceptance, all of that fun stuff as well. Um, if Facebook groups are not your jam, I'm also on Instagram. My handle's in, uh, anti-diet health coach, and I'm also on TikTok. Same handle. Anti-diet <laughs> health coach. Figure that Perfect. out. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Leah, and any last words of wisdom for listeners before we sign off today? Um, you know, I don't really know if you're on this journey, like Tresta, this is where you're meant to be. And it's, it's the right the right path for you, no matter how difficult or 
awkward or, you know, uncomfortable it can be at times that, that this is long-term the best path for you, for your mental health, your physical health, everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you need, you know, a supportive group of people to talk, talk this through, like Leah, your Facebook group is the perfect, you know, place for this. And so feel free to reach out to Leah, reach out to me. You know, we both offer safe spaces to, you know, to explore all of this in a, in a very safe and supported environment. So please feel free to reach out to either one of us at any time. All right, Leah, thank you so much. Thanks, Michelle.